just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast, and we're fortunate to have another one of those shows where we have not just one listener, but two listeners on the podcast. And you may recognize these folks. They were uh, uh, on a show previously, Jen and Ted. Uh, We had an interesting show the last time. We'll have an interesting show this time, no doubt about it. The really intriguing thing about this is that Ted, not his real name, (laughs) we're not going to say his real name, but Ted is with the clergy. So we have somebody from, uh, I don't know if I'd call you the religious right. You're really not the religious right. You're more democratic leaning, it seems. Uh, Moderate will be a good word. There you go. (laughs) Everything's everything's good with moderation, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. Unless exactly. you're unless you're fucking Joe Manchin, fuck him. <laughs> um, right. So so you know the the fact. Uh, uh, now now Jen, you're not in 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 the uh, clergy or anything like that. You're in a you're a nurse, right? Nurse practitioner. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So so this is an interesting pairing. You're in a nursing thing, and and we have somebody in the clergy. Um, do you guys always see eye to eye on what's going on? I mean, I know you're more in line with rational boomers out there. Uh, do you guys always see eye to eye or is there some, I mean, cause my wife and I never argue about anything. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say in reference to, in, in, in reference to politics. For the most part. Yeah. In politics. Yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that we're not in line with. So, Ted, what do you think about this whole thing about separation of church and state? I know it's in the Constitution, but, you know, we pick and choose what we like out of the Constitution as well as we do out of the Bible. Um, you know, a lot of those folks like to do that. Uh, as somebody who's in the clergy, how do you feel about the separation of church and state? Well, interesting setup because uh, there's a phenomenon in from people who want to use scripture as a weapon that we call proof texting. That's when you just like pluck a verse right. out of context completely and use it to make your point. And I think people can do that with the constitution as well. Um, yeah. Separation of church and state is certainly a, a foundational fundamental aspect of who we are as a nation. Once we came together as an independent nation, you know, many of the colonists came over here to, to escape a state, a religion so they could have freedom of and freedom from religion, which is baked into the first amendment that, you know, that, that right is there for you not to be forced by the government to follow any particular religion or to not have a religion. And so, you know, the, the Supreme court up until now has always backed that up. Um, and, and said, so, you know, that's a, again, it's just like freedom of speech, et cetera. It's a fundamental right in the fir- very first amendment. For all of us to have, it's also part of how we formed our country and why we formed our country right. uh, was to have that you know kind of baked in that that you have the freedom to worship how you want to or not worship at all. And you know it, it's tough for Christians sometimes to think that America isn't supposed to be a Christian nation, but you know constitutionally and in the founding acts that was pretty clear that was uh, 
a major part of what these guys wanted. And if you look at the biographies and the history of the founders and center, you won't find a lot of deeply religious people in that. In fact, many of them weren't religious at all. And you had DS like Thomas Jefferson, who <laughs> took his copy of the Bible and cut out all the verses in the gospel that he didn't like. Right. So I followed this gospel, you know, you know, that's our third president doing this kind of stuff. So, you know, I would say our foundation is definitely not that. And it, it really bothers me greatly to see things like the Christian nationalist comments that were recently made by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and her, uh, I'm not even sure what she was talking about, that the church should be running the nation, which is a, the exact opposite. Well, yeah, exactly. Lauren Boebert's quote was that the government shouldn't be controlling our churches. Church or religion should be controlling our government. I mean, she said it exactly like that. Based on what you said and what we know, that's absolutely contrary, polar opposite of what the Constitution says. Absolutely. And, and the, other, the other thing that really gets me on some of those things is that, um, you know, there are a lot, quite a lot of uh, more moderate religious people, Christians or whatever uh, religion they follow, that, that our voices are never heard. The only ones you hear are the far religious right, the, the Falwells and those folks. They get the airtime. And so people out there who don't really have a faith background think that's who all, all people who follow God are like, you know. And for some reason, our voice has been left out. And so then we get these, it just gets more and more radical all the time with those kind of comments. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene say, I'm a proud Christian nationalist, which means I want, you know, Christianity to rule the country. Right. And, you know, there's no difference between that and radical Islam. You know, that, that's a church-run state, the radical Islam states are. And, and, you know, it's really asking for the same thing for our country, just a different flavor of religion instead of allowing our religions equal basis or no religions have equal basis. Now, now I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, uh, um, I haven't studied the Bible as much as you have. I've, I've read, and I'm religious in the sense that I believe in God. I don't believe in organized religion, but that's just me. Uh, but it's ironic that Lauren Boebert, somebody like Lauren Boebert, would say, <laughs> we want the church to run this. <laughs> right. <laughs> when she's recently been exposed as a uh, a call girl of sorts. And, right. then, and, <laughs> and then when she tried to deny it, she says, that's laughable. I wasn't a prostitute for Ted Cruz. <laughs> she didn't say I wasn't <laughs> right. a prostitute. So now, now in the Bible, doesn't it say if somebody does that or commits adultery or something, they they should be stoned? Right. Yeah. In fact, if your if your adolescent son talks back to you, you can stone him at sunset. <laughs> you know, there are times when I wish we could have gotten away with that in our own yeah. household. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> now, now, Jen, I have some questions for you because when we talked the last time. Um, we were talking about the prospect of overturning Roe v. Wade, and while it seemed like a possibility, it, it it didn't happen yet. And I don't know if a lot of us really thought it would occur because it was such a such a shock to this country. Now, as a nurse right now, how have things changed since we've had that um, Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court? How have things changed for you? Mm-hmm. For me, in my area, not too much, but overall in the medical field, there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear. I mean, am I going to be able to have my IUD replaced? Am I going to be able to get the after morning after pill? I mean, there's a lot of fear that the government is going to be the one to just make these decisions. You know, 
course, you know, that 10 year old that had to go across state lines, that's huge and, and has made obvious major headlines, but that brings it home to people here, you know, when they have a, a child in utero that has been diagnosed with a medical condition, you know, unable to live out of utero and those parents can't make that decision for themselves. They're allowed, the government's trying to be the one to make that decision. The hardest decision anybody could ever make. And now they're fearful that they won't be the ones to be able to make it. So there's a lot of that. And, and but there's a lot of um, people standing up for that now, which I love. I love to see these people that are coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, you are not going to tell me what I'm doing with my body and I'm going to say it loud and proud. So I'm happy about that. And I think those voices are really being heard. I, th- I think that uh, that that ruling by the Supreme Court might be the one major thing that sunk the Republicans for the midterms. When you've got 70 percent of the people for Roe v. Wade and you've got 50 percent of the country having constitutional rights taken away from them. That can't help you in any kind of election. Well, and and we say that 50%, but look at all the male figures that are standing up as well. I mean, on TikTok. Absolutely. Twitter, Absolutely. You know, they're, I mean, and even, I think you've heard, I've heard you say this on your podcast before, you know, I don't have a dog in that fight. You know, I'm past that. It's not going to happen to me. But for the people that it is going to happen to, I'm going to fight for that. And I'm ha- so glad to see even all these male figures standing up, male OBGYNs. I mean, you know, the, the guy that was the physician for this 10-year-old standing up for it. Now he's suing, I believe, you know, for defamation of character even. Come right. on, you know, he's doing his job and he was doing it legally and he was willing to help this 10-year-old. You know, so in some respects, I do think it's bringing people together again and maybe oh, it it is, yeah. like this and because we've been such a divided country for so long you know again i've had the same um, issues you've had with family members and friends that that they're not even able to talk politics with you anymore no. because they get so angry when no. they're you know so right-sided they won't listen to anything you say and if it goes against anything they think forget it get out of here i'm gonna scream and holler and never be your friend or family again. And it's hardly worth talking to them because it can never go anywhere. It can never end up positively. Uh, so, so you just, I just avoid it because it's just not, not worth the time. Um, now, Ted, as a member of the clergy, um, is it, is it, would it, could I say that all members of all clergies would be anti-abortion? No. Um, you know, a lot of the mainline denominations, especially, have always been supportive of abortion in exceptional cases, you know, for rape and incest and uh, endangerment of the mother. Um, it's interesting in Florida, uh, there's a suit filed against the state for their 15 week abortion uh, restriction, which will end up being less than that, but that's where it is right now. Right. By, by one of the Jewish communities because Jewish law from ancient times recognizes that the mother's life is paramount over the infant. The infant is not considered a, a, a human person until they take a breath. It's called quickening in the old, old terms. 
And so they would always support the ability, if, if necessary, in a terrible, terrible, tragic situation that you had to abort a child because the mother's life was at stake. That's Jewish law said that's what you have to do. Absolutely. To do otherwise is a violation. So you got, I think, more across the board. And there's just, I've been reading articles recently that a lot more Christian uh, leaders who have a much more reasonable approach to abortion, morning after pills, et cetera, than you might expect. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting about abortion, at least it was for me, and I've said this on the show before. When I was younger, my 20s, didn't have any kids. I didn't really have a sense either way for abortion. It's, you know, whatever. And then when I had kids, it was harder to accept the abortion thing. But I think the bigger, and I hate to say this, but the bigger issue here is, is Anytime our government takes away any constitutional right, regardless of what it is, even if it was about guns, that is a red flag. That's us going down the wrong path. Yes, certainly a dangerous precedent, and you wonder what they're coming after next. Well, exactly. You know, and, and with this, now we're hearing about contraception and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, gay marriage and all this stuff. And, this is all rooted, I hate to say this, and I don't know what religion you are, but it's rooted in the, from what I can tell, the evangelical church, because they're so adamant, they're willing to do whatever it takes to get what they want, even if what they have to do is contrary to what they believe. I mean, perfect example is supporting Donald Trump. How can you be uh, somebody who follows God and follows the Bible and support Donald Trump? It just makes no fucking sense. Yeah, it's incredibly hypocritical. And, you know, character matters when it needs to matter to support your cause. Right. You know, Bill Clinton was viscerated for, and, right, you know, he did some terrible things character-wise. He's a pretty good president. Uh, but Trump's, you know, done far right. more worse things than Clinton did, and that's okay. He's our, he's our guy, you know, because he will accomplish for us the goals that we think are important. Well, and the thing is, um, the evangelicals supported him because they felt he was going to help them overturn Roe v. Wade. In my mind, I think Republicans wanted to fight to overturn Roe v. Wade, but they never wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade because that's what they campaigned on. That's what they raised money on. That's really all they ever campaigned or raised money on. So now this has happened. Now what are they going to campaign on? They really shot themselves in the foot with this one. So many hate this. I'm sorry, Jen. Thank goodness. I hope it works. I, you know, I can't, I, I just see the way the tide is turning. And, uh, I, I, I think, I think, I think we are seeing it finally shifting the way it's supposed to go. I knew ultimately that would happen, but I finally think we're starting to see the shift. We saw a shift today. I don't know if you're paying attention to the news, but of course, um, you know, when the Republicans shot down that health care thing for our vets and the burn pits and some of the other stuff, they shot that down only because they wanted to stick it back in the face of the Democrats. Well, that kind of backfired on them. They got all kinds of heat and it got so bad for them that they fucking passed it yesterday. Oh, I didn't hear that. They, no. they passed. They passed it. It's now got to go to Biden to sign it. So oh, wow. less than a week after they tried to show how tough they were, 
It went back in front of the Senate and it passed. All these Republicans that voted for it, then against it, have now voted for it and it has passed and it's going to Joe Biden. So um, this is <laughs> this just shows me that the Republicans are weakening and losing a step every day. And, and I think they understand that. They keep talking about the midterms like we're going to win, but they 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 talk confidently like about a lot of things like Donald Trump will be back in office or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. They always fail. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020. They talk a good game, but they never able to back it up and they're losing it every day. I think. I, for the life of me until the day I die, I will never understand the cult mentality with this guy. Never. I don't understand what it is he brings to the table for professionals, for the lay people, for, you know, anybody to be so, I've never in my life experienced this. Any president, if any other president, much less a political figure had done half of the things that Donald Trump has done and said, they would be, you know, hung out to dry. Yeah. But he gets away with it and they love him. Well, he does, and they still love him. And, and you know, I, one of the things I said on this podcast and on TikTok, one of the most disconcerting things I've learned in the last six years is just how many truly stupid people there are in this country. And I, 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 I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying legitimately dumb. I think, you know, I, I kind of know this personality with Donald Trump. He's not a smart man. Everything he's done is on emotion. He just reacts to shit. He doesn't think anything out, and he spews stuff out. What he's done is he he goes out there and acts like he's going to go after the establishment, the government, and all these people that have felt marginalized because of whatever didn't happen in their lives needed a champion like that. And much like the evangelicals, they didn't care about the bad stuff as long as they knew this guy was fighting against the man. Well, unfortunately, it turned out he is the man, but they weren't able to recognize that. And he's given so many people permission somehow to be so racist and fascist and, you know, all the things that have come out of the woodwork because of him. It's its amazing. It's still, it astonishes me every day, every day. And, and you're right. The stupid comes out. The stupid comes out. And, and, you know, the thing about racism, I think many of us thought from the 60s and the civil rights thing to now, up until before Donald Trump, that racism had gotten better. And and that's an easy thing for you and I and all the rest of the white people to say, because we don't see it from the same perspective. It's my contention that racism has never gotten better. It just got hidden. It got shoved under a rock. It got buried. People were afraid to come out. And then Donald Trump shows up and makes it okay for them to speak out. And then we get this... Uh, this eruption <laughs> like a rash on your face of these people coming out and speaking out because now they finally feel safe. Right. They've been given permission. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we get through these midterms, I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about this. If we get through these midterms, I think a lot, let me go back. I think a lot of people thought 
the moment Joe Biden was inaugurated, everything was going to get better. But too much bad happened in those four to six years. Then they thought Donald Trump would be put in handcuffs and taken out to jail. But with the legal system, the judiciary system, it takes a while. And now we're starting to see the fruits of all that happened. But that's it takes too long for people. People get upset and then they pout and they say, oh, nothing's going to happen. Well, shit's happening. I don't care what anybody says. But say the Democrats win the midterms in a big way in the the House and the Senate. I would still suggest we've got years before we repair the damage that was done by the Republicans and Donald Trump. It, it, at least we'll be on the right track, but it's going to take some time. 100% agree with that. 100% agree. And I, you know, I voted for Biden because I wasn't in any way, shape or form going to vote for Trump. I do think he has been and will continue to be a good transitional president that we needed. The calm, the, you know, being able to at least have conversation with both sides, right and left um, in the Senate. And, you know, it, but we do, I, I hear you say this again on your podcast. We need somebody younger. We need energy. We need, yeah. um, you know, progressive. Um, you know, there's a few people out there even. I mean, I would love like Beto and Beto. Is that how you say it? Beto. And um, what's his name with the twins? Judge. Oh, I love him. Who? Buttigieg. Oh, Buttigieg, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love him too, but. I, th- I think. I think I think we're a ways off from the Buttigieg's and the AOCs running for president. They're both still young and relatively uh, mm-hmm. inexperienced. Joe Biden, I think, is a good president. He's not a great president. Like Obama, he had the opportunity to be a great president, but he had to fight against both Obama and Biden have had to fight against the obstructionist of the Republican party. They did everything they could. Their only goal was to shut them down, had no concern about helping the people of this country or benefiting this country. Uh, so Joe Biden has been stifled by these people. And I think he's too old school to get down in the dirt and do what he needs to do. Cause if you got a bully dragging you down to the dirt, sometimes you got to fight. It's unfortunate, but sometimes you have to do that. And I don't think Biden's willing to do that. It's it's interesting to see who may run in 2024. I don't think you'll see Biden, and I definitely don't think you'll see Donald Trump. I think we'll see two people that we don't expect. I hope so. Maybe it'll be a woman. That would be good. It's about time we get some women and some younger people. You know, another Mm -hmm. woman that might be a good choice, Katie Porter. She's a a tough lady. But I'm beginning to think that if it's a man that's running for president as a Democrat, I'm beginning to think, and I don't know if this is good or bad, I like him so far, but it could very well be Gavin Newsom from California. He's kind of going after the Republicans. He's a good-looking guy. He's white, but uh, he's relatively young. The one thing that might work against Gavin Newsom, though, is, I don't know if you know this, but Gavin Newsom is Nancy Pelosi's nephew. So, depending. Yeah, he's actually uh, her husband's nephew, but he's. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I I 
didn't know that until recently. But I think he had, he has kind of a JFK air about him, you know. He does. Like a young guy, sharp. Uh, you know, he's got a good track record now in California, although uh, people on the right think the state's awful and the hellhole and et cetera. But, you know, they've got a surplus budget and they've got jobs, you know, for everyone. And, and like you said, he's been running ads in Texas and Florida, yeah. <laughs> mocking DeSantis and Abbott. So you think he must have some aspirations for more than uh, being the governor of California. He'll be an interesting choice, I think. Well, I, I, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see what he does. But you're right. He has that. I guess he has a JFK air because he's a young, good looking guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And 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 that unfortunately plays in this country. <laughs> right. It fucking he has, does. He has one horrible fault in that, you know, he used to date uh what's her name? Uh Donald Trump Jr.'s current girlfriend. They used oh, to Oh yeah. Him, Kimberly Guilfoyle. So bizarre to me oh, that, that happened. I can imagine. More you than know, an hour. I, I hate I hate to be crude <laughs> or or inappropriate. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but every time I see Kimberly Guilfoyle, and I don't like this woman because I think she's a piece of crap, but every time I see her, the song from uh, Aerosmith comes to mind. Dude looks like a lady because she, because <laughs> you know she's a woman, and I'm not trying to give shit to transgendered people, but she's such a scary looking woman. You know, she just. <laughs> She's just bad. You know, we have a similar situation in, in Minnesota. Uh, we have Governor Walls, who is the, who's been the governor here through the COVID and all that thing. And he did very well with the COVID. Of course, the Republicans don't like him because he supported the mask and, and, and shutting places down and, you know, during COVID and such. Uh, but now he has this, this doctor running against him. And this doctor is kind of a weird Republican guy. Jensen, I think, is his name. And he uh, um, he 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 got into some trouble because he was telling people or or um, prescribing things to people that were the opposite of what should be done with COVID. He thought COVID was a hoax, and he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. But the, the the thing that's fucked up about it that's weird is that his lieutenant governor is a guy by the name of Matt Burke. Now, Matt Burke had been a relatively star for alignment with the Minnesota Vikings for years, and people mm-hmm. liked Matt Burke. And then I started seeing him crop up on TikTok doing all this Trumpism talk, and I'm going, Jesus Christ. So these two are running against Walls, and Walls is the same kind of guy. He's a former teacher, nice guy. He did well with COVID. We've got a few billion dollars in surplus, and everybody says, oh, I hate Walls. Why do you hate walls? What did he do wrong? He 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 closed down some uh, um, businesses during COVID, but everybody did. That was the smart thing to do. It's just, yep. I, I I just really feel like we're we're starting to see the shift a little bit in what politics is going to be. Uh, have you been watching the January six meetings or hearings? Oh yeah, we're we're um. We are pretty religious and and work our schedules around it. Even there, you go. I uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember when the podcast started before the hearing started. When I was doing the podcast, I said these hearings are going to be like an epic epic mini series. People mm-hmm. will be glued 
to these things. And they are. I talk to people who don't normally watch things about news and they live for sitting and watching that. And that's good. That's what we need to see. We need to have more people understand um, what was truly going on. You know, it's funny. Uh, I hear people who look into the news like me or maybe you and will say, you know, what they've told us is not a lot of stuff that we didn't already know. But the two differences are they're they're laying it out in order so we understand how it happened, why it happened. They're giving us evidence and they're giving those people that are maybe a little less aware, they're shoving it in their face. And now these other people, I mean, we all believe this stuff before we knew it, but now they're starting to learn it. And I think that's where they're benefiting and doing their best work. Well, they're being smart about it, too, because they're using a lot of the Republicans, a lot of the ex-Trumpsters, a lot of the people that really, you know, were up his butt the whole time. Right. And now, you know, now they're on TV saying, wait, let me tell you exactly what happened. And the Republicans can't turn around and say, oh, well, you know, they're just lying or they're faking it or they're, you know, these are people that were their people. Well, and, you know, (laughs) The only complaint Republicans make about it and Donald Trump is upset about is that there's no opposition to these witnesses. There's nobody, you know, trying to create chaos like a Jim Jordan or something, just trying to convolute this bullshit. Um, But this is this is another place where the Republicans really screwed up. Kevin McCarthy had the opportunity to make it a 9-11 type inquiry uh, and then. You know, he tried to stick somebody on it like Jim Jordan and some of these other people, banks that were part of the insurrection. And he wanted to put them on this thing. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi said, no, they still got two Republicans, even though they don't like them. They are, in fact, Republicans. But they're trying to complain about how it's unfair. But the two problems they have, they had an opportunity. And that one of the witnesses has been a Democrat. Like you said, Jen, every witness has been a Republican. It's hard to denounce that. They'll try, but it's hard. Well, it's, it is it is his narcissistic way to, just like he calls it the unselect committee, you know, <laughs> stupid little juvenile crap like that. And it, it's his way of putting falsehoods out there so that his little culty group will cling to that and say, oh, well, you know, Trump said it, it's gospel. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and like the point, I'm sorry, the point you, you made several times on podcast is everything changes when you're under oath. Exactly. So it's hard to lie under oath because you know you've got that hanging over your head if you do so because it's easy to prove that you're a liar. And I will say this, um, this is the most amazing congressional committee I've ever seen in my lifetime. The way Agreed. they work so well together. I mean, the planning they went into to tell the story the way that they have and the you know, when they get more information, they stop and, you know, see, is there something else we need to add to it? It's just really been brilliantly done. Well, for those of us that remember Watergate and how compelling mm. that was, I was pretty young yeah. at the time. But uh, this far and away exceeds anything that was done during Watergate, which is good right. because the crimes were far and away exactly. uh, worse now than they were back then. Yeah. It's 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 interesting to me. 
that it is turning out so well. I mean, we've learned over the years that the Democrats have taken opportunities and not been able to have that uh, killer instinct or be able to do it. But in this case, with these January 6th committees, they're doing everything exactly right. Yep. And methodically. And methodically. And then that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's amazing too. And I have to wonder if the uh, influence of Liz Cheney Mm-hmm. isn't part of that because yeah, i've said this before you know a lot of people a lot of democrats are saying oh i love liz cheney no you fucking don't <laughs> you do not and i said i would not vote for liz cheney i don't think i'd be a friend with liz cheney but if i was being attacked in a dark alley i'd like her with me <laughs> <laughs> she's so a tough she has woman. better aim with a gun than her father did yeah, well, she's a smart woman. I mean, she, she's, yeah. I mean, what people, as much as people will say, oh, I love Liz Cheney, they don't realize she's against abortion too. She's not upset mm-hmm. about Roe v. Wade being overturned. That's kind of been her goal too. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with her. I mean, she's way behind uh, in the polls in her, in Wyoming. You know, I, I know you watched the quote unquote debate. With her and those clowns that are running against her, yeah, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable that people vote for any of those those people, but you know, she's a good chance she won't be reelected. But uh, you know, what what is she? How is she going to parlay some of this into something else? Well, that that's uh, exactly her. it. If you feel sorry for Lynn Cheney, don't. First of right. all, <laughs> Dad <laughs> Dick Satan Cheney's got to have more money than God, and he's 152. So I'm sure she'll be all right. But secondly, because she's gotten this, her profile's gotten so much higher, um, she'll be writing books, doing TV, right. maybe a movie. I mean, she, Liz is going to be fine. That's right. Um, you know, and sometimes people people say to me, you know, people have said to me before, you should run for office, and I would have no business running for office. I'd be a horrible candidate. But sometimes um, being on the outside is more powerful than being on the inside because being on the inside, you got to conform to some rules and you have to take some shit and listen to some shit. That's the wonderful thing about my life. I'm not making any money out of it, but I don't have to take shit from anybody <laughs> if I don't want to. And and I think she she would be uh, uh, she's going to do well, you know. To be perfectly honest with you, some left leaning networks should hire her just to kind of counterbalance some of the things they do, and she yeah. would she would be incredibly successful in that regard. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. I have a couple of other things that we need to talk about. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. And uh, Jen, I wanted to ask you a couple of things regarding uh, what's going on with the medical industry. I wanted to ask something, first of all, though. You know, when we went through this whole COVID thing, there seemed to be a faction of nurses, particularly, and some doctors that were all about COVID being the hoax. I don't want to wear a mask. It's, you know, I, I've talked to a number of people who said, uh, yeah, my wife's a nurse, and she says, don't wear the mask. It's worse for you than COVID. How, how did that faction of nurses play out in your business? Because I know the ones that believe COVID was real, and given that a million people died from it, I, I think it's relatively 
um, easy to <laughs> say it was real. But did you see that much? Did you see those people that were anti or hoax COVID in your prof- profession? Certainly, certainly did. They're everywhere. But those medical professionals that are of that mindset, you don't always ask what their political stance is, but you can tell what their political stance is for the most part. And any of them that I came in contact with were definitely, definitely Republicans. And so they took politics over medicine is what they did. And that's sad. It's it's an embarrassment to our profession and many, many, many nurses and professionals, um, doctors, whatever, said so. But they did. They they chose politics over medicine. And I'm convinced 100 percent that that is the reason that any medical professional went against science. Well, and that's the, that's the ironic thing here, Jen, is that. Um, you may be a Republican, you may be against science, but you work in an industry that's based on fucking science. Why would you even go into that industry if you don't believe it's real? Right, exactly. And, and I'll tell you a story from a nurse. Um, she, staunch Republican, in you know, really into the Trumpster crap, um, told me a story several times, actually, about a friend, you know, cause it's always a friend. Right. Of course. That, um, you know, was a paramedic and that he knew that people were lying on death certificates about COVID because he would take them into the hospital in his ambulance with, um, respiratory issues, pulmonary issues, anything else. And it was always labeled COVID and then they would die and COVID was on, the death certificate just so hospitals could get money. Yeah, I've heard that that too. First of all, let's let's break this down a little bit. What paramedic do you know that can see a, a death certificate? None. None. They don't None. hang around in the ER, and they damn sure if he's looking at death certificates, he's hacking into a computer, and you know that it, it just if people broke down these stupid stories, they would see that there's no validity to it. It, But yet they believe it. They believe that a paramedic could take a patient in and then see a death certificate in that two hours that they're there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just goes with everything they say. They pull something out of their ass and they say it. Mm -hmm. And because it came out of their mouths, they treat it as if it's gospel. And, um, and 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 so they just spew anything, and it's always lies. Let me ask you this: President Biden got COVID twice in the last couple of weeks, few weeks. Where are we at the state of COVID right now? I mean, people are looking at it as it's behind us, but it's not really. It's still there. People aren't. Are people just tired of it and they've moved on to something else, or or is COVID truly on the way out? It's far from on the way out, sadly, and the numbers don't really tell the tale because of home tests so that those don't get reported. COVID is rampant right now. I know more people that have had COVID in the last two weeks than I knew the whole pandemic. And so now severity, no, it's not as bad. However, it is putting people in the hospital and there are still some deaths from it. 
we do have, you know, a large number of people vaccinated. That's certainly helping. But, you know, we just had two dear, dear friends with really no comorbidities have a pretty severe case of it. Right. Yeah, they lived. And yeah, they didn't have to go in the hospital. But what people are so ignorant about is this virus is not like any other virus we've ever had. And the long haulers, which I am a victim of, is there. And every time you get COVID, the chance of any long haulers is, you know, increased. And you don't want long haulers. Why do you want 10 years from now for, you know, scarred lungs to put you into COPD? Why? Right, right. And so it's just the ignorance is phenomenal. It really is. And, you know, I'm tired of it, too. I, I've been dealing with it two years in the medical profession, we're tired. I'm, I'm not going to lie about that, but I'm careful. I wear a mask at work every day. I, I, you know, I, I, if I'm in a crowded place, I pull my mask out of my purse. I don't necessarily wear one if I'm in the grocery store and, you know, social distancing and stuff, but uh, not as not, probably not as tight about it as I was a year ago, but I haven't gotten COVID again either. Right. And I had it. I had it like, one of the first cases July of 20 when we had it and then we haven't had it again. So, you know, it, it's, it's real, it's there and the numbers are way higher than, and Florida is one of the biggest populations of COVID in the United States other than the Northeast. So, you know, it, it's, it's sad that people are so tired, but it's there and more and more people are getting it and re Regetting it now. What happened with Biden is the Paxlovid rebound effect, and um, you know Paxlovid is pretty new. I do think it needs to be a longer course than five days, um, but I'm not that scientist. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I think seven to ten days, and you may not have that rebound effect because you've kept it in your system. But um, yeah, even I think Fauci even had it, uh, the rebound mm-hmm. Paxlovid effect. So. That's real. That's a little scary to me, but uh, evidently Biden is symptom free at this point um, for for the most part. Uh, But I I think that needs to be looked at and I think they are looking at it. Well, and how you react to this stuff obviously has a bearing on whether you are vaccinated and, and have the booster. I have both vaccinations. I have both boosters. And if I need to get another one, I'll be the first one in line. But there are still people out there that are not vaccinated at all that are probably getting COVID and suffering a lot worse symptoms than say Joe Biden or you or I might get. Well, and the sad thing is that even with this new variant four and five, you can get reinfected in a couple of weeks and see it a year ago with the original Omicron Delta, the others, it was, you know, 30 to 90 days you would have right. immunity. And right. now you're not carrying that immunity as long, but people don't believe that. Right. You know, sometimes you have to say, okay, I get it because we were lied to so much. And I do get it. Even the CDC has dropped the ball now. I mean, they, you know, where is, what's her name? You know, she's dropped off the face of the earth, the head of the CDC. Right. So, you know, we are being abandoned in that way, even with monkeypox and, you know, heck, we just had a first case of polio. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really kind of sad. And, um, the, the, this vaccine, the, um, that's the two, um, I'm drawing a blank now. 
um, Pfizer and Moderna are probably the safest vaccines we've ever had. Ever. Right. Mechanism right. of delivery. There's four ingredients in those in those vaccines. And literally they are in and out of you in two weeks. If you don't have a reaction in the first two weeks, you're not going to have one. Right. Because it does its job and it's gone. It's the safest vaccine we've ever had. But because it was in a political year and it was so politicized, people don't believe it. Yeah. Well, you brought up something and I want to bring this up because I know absolutely zero about it. This monkeypox thing. First and foremost, if you want people to take it seriously, don't call it monkeypox. Monkeypox. It, it sounds like it sounds like a kid's movie. But um, this monkeypox thing, this is entirely different than COVID, correct? It's not as contagious or you have to get it. In different it's ways, in the skin. I mean, yeah, it's it's more con, you know, contact, not respiratory, it, and it's not generally a um, death sentence. It's not comfortable when you get a pretty good case of it, for sure. Some people are hospitalized, if nothing else, for pain control and you know, trying to minimize the the spread and stuff. But um, it's not a death sentence. It's still, I think, it may end up being uh, a pandemic at some point. I do. So is it more like uh, like something like measles or 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 uh, shingles chicken or something box. like that? It's chicken the, pox it's in the chicken pox family. It looks just like chicken smallpox. Yeah, um, I mean it, the lesions look like it, and the the pain. It's almost like shingles pain. Okay. In, in that it you know it affects the nerves. Um, the skin feels like it's on fire. From what I understand, just burning type pain, um, and then the lesions themselves. So it's definitely not a comfortable illness. Let me ask you this. If it's in the chicken pox family and the shingles family is part of the chicken pox family, if you have a shot for shingles, does that give you more protection against monkey pox? No, no. There's Great. a specific monkey pox vaccine. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they weren't really distributing it uh, abundantly. I think they're... No, I'm not. Yeah, we didn't have much. I think they're vamping that up a little bit. Vamping okay. that up a little bit. <laughs> um, so I think they're, you know, as usual, kind of sometimes behind the eight ball, but I think they are getting more and more of the vaccines. I don't think it's necessary to get the vaccine unless you're high risk, immunocompromised, um, you know, because it is more of a skin to skin contact type illness. Okay. Well, that's that's good to know. I knew nothing about monkeypox. Let's move away from the medical part of this. Uh, we have a couple of news stories that have been big the last day or so. Uh, the first one, Nancy Pelosi, she went to Taiwan, even though China said, don't come here, don't come to Taiwan. We are going to get very mad and there'll be consequences for this. So Nancy Pelosi gets in the plane, pulls up to Taiwan and Sets up shop there. Uh, do, do you have any read on that as to... Uh... To me, I mean, I don't know what she wants to do there, what the purpose, and all, but if it's that big of an issue, if it's that political, if it's that dangerous, why are you going? I think I know why. She's going for the very reason that China doesn't want her to go. Doesn't want her to go. Uh, and that is... Um, to to me, from all I've heard about China and uh, and Taiwan, 
it kind of is a parallel, not quite as violent yet as Russia and Ukraine. And they were afraid if she went to Taiwan, she would legitimize Taiwan, making it more difficult for them to attack Taiwan because there's talk of that happening. So they didn't want her to do that, give them that legitimacy. And I think the very reason she went is to give them that legitimacy, hopefully to try to mitigate anything China might do or at least delay it. That's my guess. I don't know what you think, uh, Ted. You know, um, I, I think that's probably right on target and also a sense of, um, you know, we occasionally it's okay for us to stand up and say, China, you can't really tell us what to do, uh, which is kind of on the same line, I think. You know, so the Speaker of the House, which, which is what, third in line for the presidency of the United States. Right, right. Uh, wants to travel to a country. We're not going to let some other country tell us they can't go. Um, although what bothers me about it is that even President Biden asked her not to go. Really? And he's He's got way more intelligence given to him about, you know, what that could mean and not mean if it happens. And I wish she'd, she'd kind of taken that advice because for some major reason why he preferred not to, to make the stop. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what is the benefit to the country and the benefit to her um, right. if she's just trying to mitigate or delay China going into Taiwan? Cause we've been hearing about that for a long time, that that's their plans. I mean, that's all we need. We got Russian Ukraine going huh. on and we need something similar in China and Taiwan. I, I don't, that's not going to help anything, but, no. uh, but at some point, you know, like with Pelosi and I've said this before, um, we got a lot of shit going on in this country that we need to focus on. And right. uh, Nancy Pelosi, like you said, she's third in line to the presidency. So she is kind of important at this point. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's got a lot of people upset, but the interesting thing about it is there have been some Republicans, some conservatives who like Mitch McConnell, who've kind of cheered her on and congratulated her for making this decision. Yeah, that's fascinating, actually, isn't it? It is. It, it is absolutely fascinating. Now, now the other story that's been kind of interesting is the fact that uh, Joe Biden and the U.S. military took out this uh, this leader of al-Qaeda, I have trouble saying the names. Uh, Hari, I think is his name. Uh, they yes. took him out. He is the leader of Al-Qaeda. And that's a pretty pretty significant accomplishment for this president and the Democrats. I mean, that's a big deal. Well, we've been looking for a guy for how long? And uh, I was really uh, intrigued by the level of um, careful detail that Biden and, and the, those advising him went through for, to plan this whole thing and to be so careful about not having any civilian, you know, um, casualties other than the one they're after and, and to be able to pull it off that way. It's just really, it's an amazing uh, win for our country and for that administration, but also, you know, those who are, who are doing all that work as far as intelligence people. I mean, knowing that the guy's going to be on his balcony at this point in time, right? you know, every, and it's the safest time to do it and stuff like that. And how many months did they watch that to make sure? 
to be careful about how they went about doing that stuff. And here we are withdrawn from Afghanistan, yet we can still reach out and, and, and find the people that they are harboring, uh, which is one of the big fears about us withdrawing from Afghanistan is that, you know, they'd be harboring terrorists and we couldn't do anything about it. And now we've, we've, we painted a, a whole different picture uh, to those folks about that. Yeah. You know, you, you said, how long have we been looking for this guy? And uh, I can tell you exactly how long we've been looking for this guy. <laughs> well, probably longer than this, but since 2011. And, and, and the reason, so we're talking uh, tw- uh, uh, 10, 12 years that we've been looking for him. And what I think a lot of people don't understand about uh, this this particular leader, he was the second he was the second in command with uh, Osama bin Laden. He right. was he was his right hand man. So not only is he doing horrible shit now, he was part of this whole 9/11 fucking planning thing and all this this sort of thing. And so when when Obama got bin Laden, knocked him out, he immediately became the leader. And as I say, that's 11, 12 years ago. And uh, they've been looking for him ever since. So to actually get him finally to get bin Laden by, you know, Obama did that. Now Biden gets Zahawi in this particular situation. Those are some immense accomplishments that Donald Trump just could not fucking come up with. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And I, I, I don't know that we're making as big a deal out of it as we should be. But this has been quite the week for Biden, hasn't it? It has been a very good week for Biden. To have that and to have the whole uh, Ted Cruz fist bump on the Senate floor, which I think Cruz will never recover from, and and to get Manchin on board to pass the bill and all that kind of stuff all in one week. Uh, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be the best week of his presidency so far. It absolutely has. I, I'm going to ask you about this. People have asked me, why do you think Manchin made that shift? Why do you think he finally gave in and said, I'm going to vote for this? after all these months of denying the Democrats? I would love to hear your theory on that because <laughs> okay. I think it's a surprise. I was listening to a, a, another podcast of people who are just, they just, all they do pretty much the whole podcast is dog Joe Manchin for right. his, you know, to do that stuff. And, and they, they were speechless and just stunned. And, you know, who ever saw this coming at, at this point and to have him, sign on to something that includes a bunch of climate change stuff that we need desperately. Right. Uh, Old state, you know, it's just really amazing. I've said this before in the podcast and, and I'll say it again here because I think I understand why Joe Manchin made this switch. Joe Manchin is a political animal. All he cares about his power and what he can do and how he can keep grifting money from the people who support him. I think Joe Manchin is smart enough to see what's coming in the midterms. He sees that there's a very good likelihood that um, not only will the Democrats keep the Senate, but might expand their margin, uh, their majority. Now, the moment they expand their majority by one or two people, immediately Joe Manchin has zero power again. He's nobody. He's a blip on the screen. And when he becomes a blip on the screen and when he doesn't have any power, he needs some friends if he ever wants to get anything fucking done. He can't go into the midterms and lose his power and be a villain to the Democrats because the Democrats don't like him for all that he's done. So now he's got to try to redeem himself. He's got to rehabilitate himself so that he can be 
in good graces with the Democrats because he's not far away from having zero power. He's relished in it up to now, but that may be going out the window and he's trying to cover his ass. That's honestly what I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And it's interesting to me to hear what uh, I think it's John Corn from Texas who said Manchin double crossed us. Yeah, like he was one of our guys. Well, yeah. So it tells you kind of how they feel about it. Well, and that says exactly what we've said. People said he's yeah. just a Republican, and then Corning comes out and says, you double-crossed us. <laughs> a Democrat double-crossed you? What right. the fuck? <laughs> Apparently, you guys are in cahoots, and right. that's a little shady. Now, people yeah. always say, we've got to get Joe Manchin out of there. No, we don't. Because if Joe Manchin gets out of there, there's just going to be some crazy fucking Republican that follows him up. The fact that he's a Democrat in West Virginia is absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not our best friend, but he's better than what could end up being there. But Joe Manchin, yeah, he is. I think a lot of these people are seeing the writing on the wall. You do remember hearing what Mitch McConnell said? If we don't win the midterms, I'm going to retire or resign. Oh, wow. Well, Mitch McConnell knows he's in trouble, too. I mean, when you look at all the shit that's going on, January 6th committee overturning Roe v. Wade, dissing our veterans. (laughs) Right. You know, as much as history tells us that that, uh, Republicans win in the midterms when the Democratic president wins, that doesn't make any sense here because we're seeing nothing that we've seen in history. So to compare it to what happened in the past is just, fucking absurd yeah they shot themselves in the foot with uh roe v wade and, and other things i think i think it's veteran things gonna really come back to, to hit them hard uh you know you can say all you want to that we support military and our veterans and then when a, you know rubber meets the road just despite the democrats you vote against something they desperately needed they're not gonna forget that no they're not gonna forget that and just because a week later that you do decide to pass it you can't unring that bell. That's you right. did what you did. Yeah, maybe it's passed now, but I think people realize it because they were shamed and, and they were embarrassed. And it was just a, it was just a stupid move. I mean, this is what the Republicans do. It's always arrogance. They never think beyond the end of their nose. They never understand that people could do the same thing if they think they are going to get away with it. Like everything Donald Trump did in as president, a fucking Democratic president could do it, too, and get away with it. But they don't think that way. So, 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 Ted, you know, as a member of clergy, as you said, you've talked to a lot of Republicans and conservatives, if you really want to call them conservatives. Um, do, you, do you hear a different shift in confidence or attitude amongst those conservative folks, you know, given all that's going on? Yeah, I do. And I think what's kind of interesting to me is that what many of them now say is, oh, I never liked Trump anyway. Of course. Uh, I just, you know, want to follow his, you know, I, I like what he was doing and he was going to do the judges for us. So we can get this done and that done and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we need to move. He's, he's not president anymore. So let's talk about something else. Right. Where before January 6th committee started up their stuff, they never would have said those things. They're still waving their flags and their bumper stickers and, all that kind of stuff. But you do see people separating from him. Uh, I mean, just the everyday people. And then you look at things like the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post coming out and saying he's not even fit for the presidency. And those are uh, publications that have supported him. Oh, yeah. Now. Uh, uh, so I think that's the, the tide has turned a lot 
Uh, he still has a lot of power. He still has a lot of people who follow him, but it's not, you know, it's, it's you know, a third of the country possibly. Um, and that's not enough to win elections. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he ought to run again. I think it'd be helpful to us. I do too. If, I uh, think if he, everybody's fearful that he's going to run, I'd say let him fucking run. Yeah. He lost by 7 million votes last time. It's not gotten better. He's exactly. not doing better than he was. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting to me. I think Adam Kinzinger said that in five years, nobody will admit that they voted for Donald Trump. And right. I don't think that's a crazy comment. That's right. I mean, that's how it wouldn't take that long. No, no. Yeah. You know, I think, I think every time something came out on Donald Trump, you'd think, okay, this is it. This is the thing that is going to get people separated from him. But again, as you guys talked about, this is a cult. <laughs> when you want to get somebody out of a cult, you got to send somebody in there and fucking kidnap them and reprogram them if you really right. want them out. And nobody's yeah. doing that to Trump. That's a good point. Now, as a couple, you've got a nurse and you've got somebody in the clergy. How are you feeling about what's what's going to happen from here on out? I think when Donald Trump was in office... Uh, a lot of people saw negative things. A lot of people were worried about the demise of the United States and the democracy. Are you feeling a little better now about with the things going on? I mean, we're not saved yet, but do you feel better? I feel better. I feel better, if nothing else, just with the January 6th you know, committee and listening to them bringing things to light. And I do think it has changed some hearts on where they were headed uh, politically. Um, you know, we have a long way to go. We we just do. I mean, sadly, the guy was in office for four years, but he did 20 years of damage as far as um, us as a nation and separating us and the ugliness that's come out, all these shootings, all this, you know, white supremacy crap, we went backwards. We're going backwards. And well, we went backwards. We're hoping now that, you know, some breaks will start being pushed and we can start moving forward again. And so that's my hope. So I, I think I have more hope now than I did six months ago, even. Ted? Do you, you have know, hope, I, Ted? <laughs> I'm not as optimistic, I don't think, because, um, you know, uh, one phrase I keep hear hearing a lot is now they can say the quiet things out loud um and like True. you alluded you know about people thinking racism was over and etc and you know trump didn't reinvent racism he just gave it permission to come to the surface right and that's a lot of people who need a lot of work in their own hearts and lives about recognizing everyone as a brother or sister a child of god if you if you're religious or, or whatever that there is only one race and it's the human race and everything else is a social construct that, that humans have put on things. Right. Uh, and, but we have gone backwards on that. I think during these last few years. Uh, and I think it's impacted some of our young people, you know, to where they're being taught, you know, in ways that I don't think are appropriate as far as how you treat other people, and respect uh, people, no matter what their race or color, or et cetera. Is. So we get, it kind of put us back, um, several squares on the anti-racism racial reconciliation road that we need to be on. Now, Ted, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I sense some irony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hopeful 
Jen's hopeful, <laughs> but the guy who's in the clergy is less hopeful. How does Thank that make you, any damn sense? Mike, this How is does, my life. Just keeping it real. Well, well, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. And people have come to me and they said, you're, you're weirdly optimistic. And, and, and I don't see it as weird. I think people who are negative, and I'm not saying you are, Ted, uh, but people who are negative all the time, I think that's weird. I think anytime you go into anything, you have to have some confidence. You have to have some hope because if you don't have hope, fucking give up. Forget about it. If you don't really believe something is going, and, and the thing is, in this country, we've seen some bad times. People will think that these times with Donald Trump are the worst times ever, but all three of us lived through the 60s. That was right. a pretty fucking bad era, right. and we got out of that. Yeah. You have yeah. to assume it's going to get better. You have to assume well, truth is going to win out. Well, that's right. And in the end, truth does. And, and my whole basis of being is, is centered on hope. Um, and, you know, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, it was pretty dark on Good Friday. Yeah, exactly. Things changed pretty dramatically. A couple of days later. And so, you know, we center our life around that and think that, you know, God has the, the, what, the, you know, the long plan was Martin Luther King said about the justice, you know, the, the arc of history bends towards justice. It's just a slow arc and it takes time for us to write the ship and get back again. So I also hope, I, you know, we've got children the same age that you have children and, and, you know, they, their generation seems to be, um, willing to stand up and say, this is not the, you know, the way you guys have done it messed up the whole world. <laughs> we, yeah. we got this, and, uh, you know, so, and, and younger people than that, obviously, you know, we, we'll be stepping aside soon enough. And, and I, so I do have hope in our younger generation. I do a lot of work with college age and young adult people. And, you know, for the most part, you know, they they see things for what they are and see through some of the, you know, standard things that have been kind of the, those things that have held up our, our nation and, and world together that are kind of crumbling and in some cases should be crumbling because they were based on, uh, white supremacy and, you know, those, those kinds of things. And it's hard to go through change like that, but they see it for what it is and how yeah. unfair. And so that gives me hope. It's just going to be hard work. Well, Ted and, and Jen, I have a theory and I want to see how you would respond to this. I tried to tell this to my family. Um, Cause either I'm, mentally the weirdest guy in the world or the most normal guy in the world. Cause I really don't have stress. I always have hope. I try to see the positive in everything because that's where I'm headed. And that's where I hope to be headed anyway. But I've always said, you know, the, the phrase where everything works out for the best. I've said that. And a million people have said to me, that's not true. It didn't work out for the best for me. And I have a theory about this. If something doesn't work out for the best for you, it's more than likely that you panicked and you flailed and you caused it to be worse. If you were able to maintain um, a non-panic situation, focus, think, and instead of reacting and being emotional about it, think and just keep pushing forward. If you have a little hope and you like this one, Ted, and a little faith, it will get better. There you go. Can we agree on that? I agree. That's good. Okay. You got to live it if you agree with it. <laughs> there you go, Ted. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, I do think that this uh, is why I don't have my wife on the show. <laughs> I know, right? Um, well, one of the things that kind of comes to combats that that we have to fight against is uh, we really live in a world of people who who have who ex- expectations are instant gratification, and right. I'm willing to be patient and wait wait for the arc to bend in the right way. And, you know, the internet's done that to us, and social media and technology and twenty four seven news. And, you know, it's I think it's Obama who said recently about the mansion changing his mind that this is how politics is supposed to work. It's a process, you know, and if you watch the news every day and think none of this is ever going to work. Well, yeah, you're going to be despondent and depressed and think it won't ever work. But, you know, we've got to give some things some time and have some patience and some, you know, as you said, hope and faith and uh, the people of America and the world to do the right thing eventually. The way I look at people in this country, and I'm making a generalization, and I realize not all people are like this. Up until the time of Donald Trump, I see the American public as a bunch of spoiled, lazy children. Now, after Donald Trump, you still have the spoiled, lazy children, but now they are abused children. And that's why we're in the state we're now in, because, you know— uh, if anybody's lived in an abusive relationship, that's exactly what it was with Donald Trump. Lied to, gaslighted, cheated, pushed around. And uh, we, we, we've we been made to feel like that's normal. And up sure. until Donald Trump, none of us thought that was normal. Good point. There is a, there's a lot of uh, correlation between those. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think, and and like I said before, it's going to take us some time to recover and to reprogram our minds to not deal with this shit. As much as I don't believe Donald Trump, this is this is what this has done has created a lot of uh, uh, skepticism in my mind about everybody in politics. Now that may or may not be fair, but based on what I've seen over the last six years, I virtually trust nobody in politics. That's why I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, because I think both sides have a lot of issues. Right there with you. And I think a lot of people feel that same way. I really do. And and it became, even with COVID and trusting science and trusting our, you know, our Fauci's of the world to, lead us and guide us and you know but there was so much uh, uh, falsehoods around everything and then changing and you know okay we said this but do this and it just puts so much skepticism in people that now nobody trusts anybody yeah it's it's a lot tougher world to live on than it once was and it's always been tough, but now through what we've gone through, it's it's been tough. So now we've got to kind of heal and get back to normal. And hopefully <laughs> that will be an option for us. And I think our next president, whoever that might be, will have to be somebody that kind of pushes that along. I don't know that Joe, I, I don't think Joe Biden will run in 2024. I'm sure he's not going to. Uh, but whoever is the president, Republican or Democrat, has to understand that there's a lot of work yet to be done, even if we get rid of the corruption and the criminality. And it really kind of makes you wonder if it was always there, which I'm sure it was to some degree, but now oh, it's yeah. brought to the surface. And so much of it brought to the surface. Well, and you I, know, and that may be the positive. Is, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Well, that may be the positive thing that Donald Trump did. He brought the racism to the service surface. He brought the corruption and the criminality of politics to the surface. You know, he did it inadvertently and for his own benefit. But uh, I think you're right. I think this corruption and this criminality, when we see what's going on with the Secret Service and the Department of Homeland Security, this shit was going on. We just never heard about it. Right. Exactly. So now that we've heard about it, now they got to do something about it. So in that sense, it's a positive. Right. So we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, we we've, we've got we've come to that point. Actually, we went beyond the point. I always go longer than I expect I'm going to go. So <laughs> you I'm had sorry. double trouble tonight. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in trouble every night. Um, <laughs> my wife's asleep. She, she, all she knows is when she gets up, she's waking me up, regardless of what time I went to bed. So <laughs> it's all on me. So Jan and and, and Ted, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your night to sit down and talk. Um, you know how I like talking to listeners, and uh, you guys epitomize why I like talking to listeners. So thank you very much. Well, it was definitely our pleasure. We are um, glad to do it and happy to have the conversation. And glad to know we didn't get fired from the first time. So no, 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 no. <laughs> nobody, gets, nobody gets fired here. I mean, I've told people before, why do you like the ones with, the, uh, with Ed or, or the listeners? And there's one very good reason for that. I have to work less. <laughs> I don't have to talk the whole goddamn time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because at heart, I'm lazy. My wife will back me up on that. Uh, but so so thank you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I know, Jen, you were talking about the prospect of maybe getting together with uh, some of the other ladies I've talked to and do a show like that. I'm all for that. So the other ladies that have been on the show and they may be listening right now, think about that. And we can coordinate some kind of get together with that. You know, we had Jenna and uh, uh, some of the other uh, other people and, and some of the men, frankly. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm all for getting a group of people together and kind of hashing things out. So, Jen and Ted, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I hope the folks listening have a great day, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.